Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The following is a special KMOX sports presentation. Welcome to the Strike Zone. Powered by Graybar, your source for electrical and data communication products for more than 150 years. Now, the Strike Zone on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It is the Strike Zone, part of Sports Open Line, a Thursday night staple. Coming up in uh, just a few moments, we're going to be joined by uh, Neil Payne from uh, 538 he had a really interesting uh, piece that he wrote uh, that really broke down Albert Pujols and just how unlikely what he's doing is from a statistical standpoint. So he's going to join us uh, coming up in just a few uh, moments. Don't know if you saw yesterday in the uh, minor leagues, it was a it was a big day offensively for the two top teams uh, in the organization. Double A Springfield, they won at Northwest Arkansas yesterday. 18 to 7. And in this game, they got two grand slams as Chandler Redmond and Nick Dunn each uh, hit a grand slam. And then Memphis, they put up 16 runs yesterday, defeating Charlotte 16 to 2. Juan Yepes hitting a home run in that game. And right now, you would think that when we get to September, and if you haven't looked at a calendar lately, September is right around the corner. Uh, when we get to September and you get those couple extra roster spots, you would think Jack Flaherty could maybe get one of them and Juan Yepes could possibly get the other. That would seemingly make a little bit of sense. I know teams sometimes like to carry three catchers in September. They try to use uh, one of their extra roster spots there. But I miss the days. I miss the days of the the fully expanded roster. By the way, talk about the minor leagues building the future sponsored by Graybar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis, a great place to work. I'm, I miss the 40-man the roster expansion, and it changed the game. Like, I get that. It did change the game. Managers were able to manage games differently when they had the full expanded roster. But it was life-changing for a lot of players because it was the opportunity for some of these younger players, or not even younger players, some of these players who are kind of AAA players who do get on the 40-man roster but don't get a whole lot of big league time to get on the major league roster and get a couple weeks' worth of major league pay. I, I feel bad for that. I feel bad for the service time. Service time is a really big deal when it comes to uh, getting your pension and everything that goes along with that. I just I miss the expanded roster. There's a lot of things I miss. Uh, and I'm not somebody that's like stuck in the past when it comes to baseball. I understand the game is 
played differently. All you have to do is ask me about bunting, and you'll be able to tell that I'm not somebody that's stuck in the past when it comes to baseball. But there are things from the past that I like. I like the fully expanded roster. I think it really stinks that we don't have the August 31st trade deadline anymore. Because previously you had the waiver trade deadline and the non-waiver trade deadline where if a player passed through waivers, you could still trade that player on August 31st. So here's the thing I don't understand when it comes to baseball. There's actually a lot of things I don't understand when it comes to baseball. You are, and actually this past week is a such a great example, such a great example. The schedule came out. Was it a big deal? I I talked about it a little bit, but when the NFL schedule comes out, it's an event. When the NBA schedule comes out, it's an event. The Major League Baseball schedule comes out and nobody's they're not stopping you on Sports Center to tell you when the how many times the Yankees and Red Sox are going to play, and they love talking about the Yankees and Red Sox. Like it's just, it's a non-event from a national standpoint. And baseballs, baseball has become such a regionalized sport up until the postseason. It is a national sport in the postseason. It is a regional regional sport in the regular season. There, from a sports TV rating standpoint, there is very little as powerful as the regional sports TV broadcast of games, the the Bally Sports Midwest broadcast of Cardinal Baseball and every regional sports network across the country. But it does not carry the same weight from a national standpoint during the regular season. It's the exact opposite of like the NBA. From an NBA standpoint, they do okay. And obviously things can fluctuate from one market to the another. And I'm I'm making kind of this big wide encompassing statement here, but the NBA is a national sport where local TV ratings are okay, but the national games, the TNT Thursday night games, things like that, it's a really big deal. And they get, they, they do very well where in baseball, your local TV broadcast is going to be really powerful and there's going to be a ton of people watching, but from a national standpoint, there's a reason that when ESPN redid their contract, they got rid of a lot of their midweek action. It's it's all about the postseason from a national standpoint. So I say all that to get to this point. You want as many eyes on the sport of baseball as possible, as possible, especially this time of the year when football is getting started. This is the biggest challenge that baseball has is you own the summertime, but then as you get to this time of the year, end of August, start of September, and the NFL and college football are starting up, all of a sudden, not here in St. Louis, obviously, but in many markets across the country, you all of a sudden are being overshadowed by football. So what can you do to get some more eyes on your sport? Well, if you have that second trade deadline on August 31st, guess what? There's going to be more people paying attention. MLB Network's going to be doing a special on the waiver trade deadline, and we're all going to be watching to see you know, what, what struggling veteran who has a big contract who cleared through waivers is going to get traded because the team is willing to pick up their salary. Like, that was good for baseball that you got those eyes. And there were some, there were some impactful trades that were made 
uh, at that second deadline, and they got rid of it. And I think it's – I don't understand why they got rid of it. I think it was dumb that they got rid of it. It was – there was no reason to do that. It was just another opportunity to have more eyes on the sport of baseball, which is something they absolutely, absolutely need. And for uh, whatever reason, they, they got rid of it. So, yeah, there's some things from baseball. I wish they had the fully expanded rosters. I'm still – the the universal DH thing, not a fan. I, I miss National League rules, and I don't. I don't miss National League rules because I love seeing pitchers hit. Like it's fun. It's always really cool when the when a pitcher comes up with a big hit. But the situational matchups and the pinch hitting and trying to uh, navigate through having the pitcher in the lineup so you double switch and things like that. That part of the strategy of the game that doesn't really exist anymore. I miss it. I really miss it. I thought I thought it made the game that much more entertaining where you had this thing that you were trying to avoid, the pitcher hitting and all the things that you had to do to try to avoid that. And I, the the art of the double switch doesn't exist anymore and that makes me sad. So there are things about baseball that uh, I certainly wish would go back to the way they were previously. Something that kind of has gone back to the way it was previously. How about that for a uh, segue? Albert Pools, the season he is having, remarkable. Uh, There was a piece written at uh, 538 recently by Neil Payne that really broke down just how unlikely of a season Albert Pools was having. Neil's going to join us in just a moment. I think you're going to enjoy this. Don't go anywhere. We're back with more. It is the Strike Zone, part of Sports Open Line on a Thursday night on KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to The Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. So we know what Albert Pujols is doing right now is nothing short of incredible. Just how unlikely is it? We welcome on to the program right now a senior writer at uh, 538. If you're not familiar with 538, they're they're fantastic. They're not just a sports uh, thing. They, they get into a lot of politics in there as well, but they use numbers and advanced numbers to tell some really cool stories, and we're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program right now. He is a senior writer with Five thirty-eight. He is uh, Neil Payne. Neil, thanks so much for uh, taking some time. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Uh, we're doing good. So you you had a really interesting piece uh, a couple days ago that 
broke down a number of different things for Albert Pujols when it comes to what he's doing uh, at his age, what he's doing uh, in his final year, and just doing some comparative things, what he's doing in terms of bouncing back from some pretty rough seasons. So obviously we we can look at the numbers and know that he's doing quite well. uh, But as you dissected this, did anything really catch you by surprise? Yeah, I think there were three factors that really jumped out to me. Well, first of all, it's just the fact that you don't see a season like this from someone his age practically ever. Uh, so I like to use the stat OPS plus. You you and your listeners probably know about OPS, on-base plus slugging. This metric just scales it relative to the league average where average is 100. So if you have an OPS plus of 150 like Albert does this season, that means he is 50% better hitter than the average hitter in major league baseball this year and it's truly remarkable to have a guy at age 42 this year be 50 percent better than average in fact uh, the only other player who had ever done that at age 42 or older in a season was barry bonds in 2007 at age 42 he had he was 69 percent better than league average a little bit better than albert has been this season but i mean when you're talking about bonds who you can make an argument put aside the steroid stuff you make an argument that he's the greatest hitter of all time you're talking about some pretty elite company for a guy like Pujols. Uh, And then moving on to another thing that stood out to me is that this is also one of the best final seasons of a career ever. You know, uh, Pujols said that he was going to retire. People have been begging him not to and kind of to reconsider, but he's kind of sticking to his guns. And this is up there with, you know, Ted Williams, I think is the gold standard in 1960. He was 90% better than an average hitter in his final year. But like David Ortiz in 2016 had this amazing going away tour. He was 64% better than average. But Pools is almost in that same sort of conversation in that group. One of the best of all time. I thought it was interesting that Will Clark uh, in 2000, his final season of his career with the Cardinals of all teams uh, was 45% better than average. So he's also on that list. And then finally, just the fact you alluded to it earlier, that this resurgence basically came out of nowhere. Uh, if, if you look at Albert's previous handful of seasons, especially the previous five seasons, he was 13% worse than average as a hitter in those seasons. And now he has bounced back and having this incredible season. And it's really one of the best bounce back seasons ever, especially when you consider, again, his age. None of the other guys that bounced back from sort of a rough five-year period to have a great season were at age 40 or older. They were all kind of in their 30s. And you have some interesting guys on there like Lonnie Smith, Uh, you know, a name that uh, Cardinal fans will know as well. Um, But, uh, you know, just to put all of those numbers together and think about this special magical year, it's something that nobody saw coming, really. And it just speaks to like his belief. You know, he spoke uh, when he came back to the Cardinals that he had this belief that he still could be a contributing player and that it wasn't just a ceremonial return to the place where his career started. And he has proven that and then some this season. All right, so I can just tell listening to you talk, like your love for all of this, and you don't go right for 538 unless you love numbers, but at the same time, I can tell listening to you how you love as much kind of the story that the numbers are telling. Is that correct? Yeah, I I think that's one of the most important things, uh, especially when we're talking about using numbers to talk about baseball, is the the context, the history. You know, this game has such a rich history. And I I think when we see someone like Albert Pujols do what he's doing, it really brings out the history of the game because you're talking about a living legend. And it's really fun to kind of 
examine his place relative to these other names like Ted Williams, like Stan Musial, you know, he broke the, uh, or uh, he, he surpassed him in total bases last week. That's, I think one of the greatest things about baseball is that you have this incredible, rich, long history that there's a lot of numbers associated with it. And we didn't even talk about 700 home runs, which is an incredible number that he's, he's sort of approaching and, and talk about rare numbers in the history of the game. You mentioned in your piece that at one point Pulse was the worst statistical player in all of Major League Baseball. And I know we got into just the the, the the single year differential and where he stands on that, but we're not talking about a guy who's a like a one hit wonder. We're talking about a guy who was already a Hall of Fame player, his career diminished, and now he's having this resurgence. How much more interesting does that all kind of make this? I think it adds a really, really interesting wrinkle to it because like you said, you could even, you know, the talk before this season and especially at the end of the Angels contract, you know, when they released him, uh, there were a lot of retrospectives about how, okay, it was pretty unique to have a player who was so dominant early in his career and then really fell off very quickly in the back half of his career once he got into his sort of early to mid-30s. And that was the story of Albert Pujols' career. So uh, in in some ways, I, I think this year does wonders for, you know, he didn't need it for his legacy. He didn't need it, you know, to be considered one of the inner circle great hitters of all time. But in a weird way, I think the story of his career, it's like a storybook ending that totally changes the narrative. Instead of talking about him as a guy where it's like, man, he was so good when he was young and when he was in his 20s, but he signed that contract, left St. Louis, went to the Angels, and he just fell off a cliff and he wasn't the same guy. That's what we would have said before this season, but now every retelling of his career arc has to have that coda at the end where it's like, but man, when he went back to the Cardinals, he had an amazing final act. And I think there's something really special about that when you talk about, uh, you know, put that up against other stories that people had. I think it's a little like David Ortiz. Uh, You know, I mentioned him earlier, but he was another guy where, Maybe he was starting to slow down in his career a little bit toward the end. And then he gave the fans an unbelievable send-off type of season. And this reminds me so much of that uh, with with Albert this year. We continue to be joined by Neil Payne. He's a a senior writer with 538. You're in New York. Obviously, I'm in St. Louis. This year, there's so many things going on in addition to pool holes, the the Molina-Wainwright stuff and the batter. Like, it with where you're at, is there much attention on what's going on in St. Louis, even beyond Albert Pujols? You know, I mean, I think it's uh, the the playoff race and the division race and just the fact that uh, things seem to have really tilted in the Cardinals' direction, especially for somebody like me who's, who's really keeping track of things through, like, probabilistic models and things like Like, you find it, like, Fangraphs, we have our own little model that we have uh, projecting the season. And uh, the, the Brewers and Cardinals were very neck and neck around that fateful trade deadline. I think we're going to look back on that, especially, you know, when analyzing the Brewers and think about the moves that they made at that deadline and then the moves that the Cardinals made and look at the diverging paths of those two teams where, yeah, maybe the Brewers may still make the playoffs, but they're not going to win the division most likely, 85% chance uh, for the Cardinals right now. And just seeing that story play out, I think that's also one of the most interesting things. And just the fact that Albert Pujols has played a contributing role in that, especially recently. He's been one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Uh, and just the thought of him being like, 
a very important contributor to a Cardinals team that's, you know, stepping up in the division and kind of, uh, you know, taking a, a hold of it is also a really great part of that story, I think. So, yeah, it's, I think sometimes, you know, we get caught up in, you know, we recently in New York, we had the Mets and the Yankees played each other and it was kind of like, ooh, Subway Series, is this a potential World Series, uh, you know, preview and things like that, uh, that maybe it gets a little easy to lose sight of uh, stuff that's happening elsewhere. But you know, that's a great thing about baseball is, especially now, we've got so many teams that are really interesting stories that will be in the playoffs and, and more playoff teams than ever, uh, obviously, this year. And so I, I just think that this has been one of the great seasons that I can think of for like a lot of different storylines, and it hasn't even resolved itself yet by any means. Do you think he gets to 700? I think so, especially the way that he's been hitting recently. Um, uh, just, just the fact that he's closed the gap so much uh, in the past, you know, few couple weeks. Honestly, I, I don't think it's a stretch to to think that he'll have seven more home runs over the rest of the season. Uh, but then again, you know, it took him till now to get 14 on the season. So you know, maybe I'm I'm a little over optimistic. Um, but man, what what a chase that is going to be over the last you know month and change of the season. Before I let you go, so sometimes I'll reference something in 5:38, and people go, "What's that?" Uh, and you guys have been around for a while. You used to be part of a ESPN, technically. Um, mm-hmm. give, kind of give a, a, a plug. Tell people what 538 is and why sports fans should be uh, reading your guys' content on an everyday basis. Sure, of course. So the site, uh, the name of the site is a reference to the number of uh, electoral college votes uh, in, in you know the presidential election. That's a nod to the fact that we do a lot of political forecasting. We have a model for the midterm elections coming up. Uh, we have a lot of things of like, you know, how popular is the president and, you know, what's the uh, the balance of the, uh, you know, generic ballot between the Democrats and the Republicans. So we, we try to cover uh, politics through this lens of sort of tracking who's ahead or who's behind and what are the probabilities. Uh, and you probably, a, a lot of people, if they do know us, they probably know us through our presidential uh, prediction models. Uh, but we also try to do the same thing for baseball uh, and, and football and basketball and just all the different sports. Like uh, we have a World Cup model that will roll out during um, uh, this November for the World Cup for soccer. So really, if there's a sport out there in a league, we try to have a, a prediction model for it where we can kind of analyze the, um, the odds of each team winning. And then we try to write off of those things like big changes in that or interesting stories involving players that have, uh, have, have found a new way to perform and things like that. So we, we really try to tell, like you mentioned earlier, this idea of like the human side of the players and the stories that they go through, but also try to bring numbers to it as a way to contextualize things, as a way to sort of make the, the, the stories pop off the page where it's like, oh my goodness, Pujols is having this season. That's in the same company as Ted Williams and, and people like that. So that's what we try to do. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been working as the sports editor there uh, for the past couple months. And so, you know, I'm really proud of the work that we've been able to put out in the sports section recently. It's, your piece on Pulse was great in the charts than just showing some of the names and what he's doing and, and, you know, the three main things put together. It was really uh, an enjoyable read. And I hope all the listeners that I'm talking to uh, go read it because it was fantastic work. Thank you so much for your time. I hope we can uh, catch up again in the future. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, me too. Thanks for the kind words. Awesome. There's Neil Payne joining us. Uh, uh, he mentioned that he's been working as a sports editor, senior writer uh, with 538. And, yeah, it's, it's really cool, like the charts that they put together. I know, I always, whenever I have people like that on that write something that takes as much work as it took to, to write that, I don't want to give it all away in the conversation. So, yeah, I would uh, encourage you to uh, read that, 538.com. You spell out. It's not like the number five, the number three, and the number eight. It's spelled out, 538 dot uh, com and just click on sports and scroll down a little bit and you'll see the Albert Pujols piece and it's really really good and really really interesting. This is the Strike Zone part of Sports Open Line on a Thursday night. How big of a issue does Major League Baseball have with umpiring? We've seen some issues here lately with the Cardinals. We'll discuss it coming up in just a moment on KMOX. Welcome back to the Strike Zone. Powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Dead at the belt, and the 3-2 pitch is low, ball four. Oh, wait, they said he sung. They said he swung at the pitch, and Nolan Arenado just lost it. And, and he's he just been got tossed, tossed out, out, of, out the of the game. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Nolan Arenado is livid, and so is Oliver Marmol. He called him on the swing. Nolan does not believe he did swing. And whatever he said to our home plate umpire got him tossed immediately. And Oliver Marmol is getting his money's worth, too. He might be tossed as well. So that happened in yesterday's game, and that was the second major interaction between umpires and Cardinals personnel in the last week or so. A few days earlier, there was the C.B. Bucknor just oh my god you couldn't it was it was flipping a coin on balls and strikes it had nothing to do with where a pitch was actually landing seemingly and then marmel went out to argue and marmel talked about it in his post game that day how bucknor um questioned marmel because he was a young umpire which that really that that irked me that irked me in a big way because I think that umpires need to go about their business in a way where they are beyond reproach. And if you're calling out a manager for how young they are in their job, to me, that seems personal. And you can't make things personal as an umpire. And then you had the situation yesterday. It's really, to me, it's it's notable to compare the two things that have happened with umpires and the Cardinals lately because that first one with C.B. Bucknor was a was an older umpire who's not very good at his job. And then what happened yesterday was actually a young umpire who is pretty good at his job. Oliver Marlowe even said in his postgame yesterday, mentioning the fact that Lipka's a, a good umpire and that they were actually surprised by what, was, what happened yesterday. And Marmol made the point, and he was right. He absolutely was right in saying that, look, there, that impacted the game in the moment. You lost a base runner, but it impacted the game overall because you no longer had Nolan Arnato and you didn't have Paul Goldschmidt. And an umpire really should not be impacting the game that kind of way. I don't know what the answer to all this is. Like I, I decided I wanted to talk about umpires today. I don't know what the answer is. Lipka's a good umpire. He made a mistake. His mistake was he didn't appeal to first. You know what? If you appeal to first, I think it was Jim Reynolds who was working over at first yesterday. If you appeal to first and Reynolds says that Arenado went around, 
Well, Arnado's frustrated. He thinks you're, the, that the umpire's wrong, but he doesn't explode in that moment. And not that that's a, probably a bad usage of words. He didn't explode. He just he made it very clear to Lipka that he was unhappy. But Marmel said uh, during our pregame conversation today, during the uh, Cardinals Radio Network pregame, when, uh, when, when Ollie was talking with Mike Claiborne, he mentioned the fact Arnado didn't cuss at him. Arnado just just raised his voice and made it clear that he was unhappy with the call at that moment and that there was no reason to toss him in the moment. I don't I, I just I don't know what the answer is. Because the mistake that's made yesterday is the mistake of not appealing to first. The mistake that was made on the C B Buckner game was just an umpire who's not very good at his job when it comes to calling balls and strikes. Those are two very different things. Like there's a there's an answer to the balls and strikes thing, and it's the automated strike zone that at some point we're gonna see. Everything I've read says that it's still a work in progress. I don't think we're gonna see it in the next year, the next two years. I still think we're a few years away from it. But at some point, humans are no longer going to be calling balls and strikes. It's gonna be something that's done uh through a computer. That doesn't change um, an umpire being at home plate. They're still going to be physically making the call. There will be a computer in their ear telling them what the call is, but they'll still be making out and safe calls at, at home plate. They'll be still making catcher's interference calls, things like that. You're just not calling balls and strikes. And in some ways, that might actually be good for home plate umpires. It's going to be a lot more like being a base umpire where you don't have to worry about quite as many things. So yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is. That's that's the frustrating thing with all this. Uh, Nolan Arnado yesterday talked about how frustrated he was with the way that whole situation played out. I rarely ever argue with umpires or cause problems. So when I do, I feel like I'm not I'm not always right, but I feel like I was right there, and I knew I was because I I knew I didn't go at all. But you know, he saw it differently. <clears throat> you think he had a quick hook too in terms of? I thought so. Yeah, for sure. I thought he definitely had a quick hook. Um, yeah. Nolan, how much does this, does that change the ball game for the team? I mean, you lose one of the most imperative bats in the lineup so early and in such a pivotal place in the, in the game. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, I mean, you could definitely say I overreacted in the moment. I probably shouldn't have, especially in the third inning with a lot of ball game left, but, um, like I said, I knew I didn't go, so that's why I was really upset about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously I can't get thrown out there, especially with Goldie with the day off. Nolan, you're a fiery, competitive guy. Ali said you're the most competitive guy he's ever coached. Do umpires need to, you know, allow for some competitive fire in this situation? I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, I thought um, I, I didn't think that was his call to make. You know, I think you should let Jimmy make that call at, th- at first. But and I didn't go. I mean, I don't know. I just yeah. know I didn't go. So I'm just yeah. mad that, it, you know, that's all it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's, you know, I think that calls for the first base umpire. Yeah, so that was Nolan Arnato, And it's a, yeah, he takes he takes responsibility for his part of it, saying that he shouldn't have reacted that way, that you can't put yourself in position to get thrown out of a game in the third inning. There's too much on the line at this point in time. But I I continue to believe that Major League Baseball does have an umpire problem, and um, I, the umpires' union is really strong. The umpires' union is really strong, 
And at some point in time, I'll tell you what I would do. If I was the commissioner of baseball, and you know what? I, I can admit that this would probably result in some some lost good umpires. It would probably result in uh, a step back in the quality of umpiring for a year or two. But from a greater good standpoint, from a long-term standpoint, if I was baseball, I would completely take over the umpiring. I would create um, a system where there's a lot more explanations of what's going on, where umpires are truly held accountable for mistakes that are made, where there's a lot of transparency with what's going on. And if, if the umpires union says no, then I bring up minor league umpires who are not in the union and we put those in. And if the, if if every major league umpire goes on strike and you have nothing but minor league umpires who are in, you know, a little too big for the britches there for, for a year or two, and you know that the umpiring just isn't going to be good. I deal with it. I completely revamp the entire umpiring system if uh, if I was in charge of baseball. But I'm not in charge of baseball. All right, when we come back, a really interesting situation with a mascot at South Carolina. Yeah, I'll explain in a moment. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. The Strike Zone, part of Sports Open Line here on a Thursday night. Cardinals and Braves tomorrow opening up a three-game weekend series. Jose Quintana on the mound tomorrow for the Cardinals. It'll be Spencer Strider on the mound for the Braves. Jordan Montgomery and Adam Wainwright will start Saturday and Sunday, respectively. What's on Deck, sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck, ChesterfieldFence.com. All right, humor me for just a moment because... This story that came out today is one of the most ridiculous sports stories you are ever going to see, and I had to share it with you. I read from a newspaper in South Carolina from the state.com. South Carolina, speaking of the University of South Carolina, South Carolina's live rooster mascot is about to debut a name change, a new alias for the mascot, formerly known as Sir Big Spur will be announced sometime between now and when the Gamecocks kick off the season September 3rd against Georgia State. You ask why a name change? Well, it comes down to a disagreement between the Birds' original owners, Mary Snelling and Ron Alberelli, and the Birds' new owners, Beth and Van Clark. And it's all about whether or not the animal's comb on its head should be trimmed, according to a report from the Charleston Post and Courier. Courier, The original owners trimmed the rooster's comb, that's the red fleshy area on the head, to make the bird look more like a fighting gamecock. While the new owners, the Clarks, have opted to keep the comb intact, citing the health benefits to the bird. An agreement with the original owners allowing the use of the Sir Big Spur name has now expired. And because the original owners are unhappy about the way the comb is being manicured, for lack of a better term, 
they are not allowing the name Sir Big Spur anymore. The There is a Twitter handle for the rooster, and the username, the Twitter handle, has already been changed to U of FC mascot. Uh, the university's legal team has advised against using the old name Big Spur due to the close relationship of Sir Big Spur. This newspaper, The State, uh, threw out a few uh, possibilities. Matt Pajeski, I'm going to throw these at you. You tell me which one is your favorite to be the next name of the South Carolina Gamecock. These are the 10 names that this newspaper has come up with. General, Coop, as in for Cooper, Cock Commander, Ding, 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 ding. Kicking Chicken, <laughs> Captain Cluck, Brewster, Sorry. <laughs> uh, Cluck Norris. <laughs> uh, Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Chicken Scratch. Oh, I love this one. And Cock a Doodle Dude. I think you got to go with Cluck Norris. <laughs> That's the one that got the, the biggest laugh from me. See? Yeah. Yeah. Cluck Norris. Oh, my gosh. This is real. This is the world we are living in where owners of a chicken or a rooster, whatever this thing is, are not allowing the use of its name because of the way its hair is being combed, manicured, whatever you want to say. That's how we wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks so much for being tuned in. I will talk to you tomorrow a little bit after uh, 6 o'clock for uh, Cardinals baseball. Big weekend coming up. Cardinals, Braves, Hall of Fame weekend. Enjoy your evening. We'll talk again tomorrow right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.